Welcome to the Extra Point Podcast, part of the preaching ministry of Moberly Baptist Church in East Texas. Extra Point provides helpful follow-up to Sunday's message. Specifically, Extra Point allows us to discuss some of the extra points from the message that we didn't have time to fully discuss on Sunday and even answer questions from the listening audience. To submit questions, email extrapoint at moberly.org. My name is Jeffrey Davis. I'm the campus pastor at Moberly's location in Marshall. And today I'm hanging out with Paul Coleman again, our teaching pastor, and talking about Sunday's message, trying to get a little bit deeper into uh, the topics of the names of God. And we're in the sermon series uh, called Above Every Other. Paul, glad to be here with you, man. It's good to be with you. And uh, this is unique because both of us preached this message this week. That's true. So you have some, probably some unique perspectives on this, even beyond what I usually just sit here and talk about. How was it being back in church with people? It was awesome for me. I don't know how it was for everybody else. We we had small crowds at both hours in Longview, but I I loved it. I loved the energy of it. I told them when I, as I walked by, as I came up the platform, my little tape square <laughs> where I normally stand every Sunday, I just <laughs> laughed as I walked past it because I was like, today I don't have to stand in one spot. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so it was great. <clears throat> how about you? It was good. Uh, we had... Of course, it's tough in the season of life we're in. Young families have a tough time getting out. Marshall campus has tons of young families. Also, college students aren't around in Marshall, the three colleges there. Uh, And we've done a great job reaching students in the past, but they're just not there. They're all at home and, you know, wherever else they are. Uh, And so it's tough when you miss those two crowds. But the ones who were there, you just knew were the ones who really wanted to be there. And uh, it gives you a unique kind of spirit of worship and fellowship and uh People were attentive and engaged, and uh, yeah, same here, same here. I, I describe it as the Sunday night crowd. You know, we used to have church on Sunday nights. <laughs> yeah, it's good. I used to say the Sunday night crowds the people that really want to be here. They're coming awesome. back on Sunday night. You know, that's yeah, so awesome. that was kind of what it was. Both hours, I think, people were excited. The ones that were here to be here. So, well, it was fun actually to preach a message uh, in this series after hearing you preach the first several, and then being able to talk about these uh, in a deeper way on the podcast. Uh, it was a challenge to me in my preparation to keep it down to, you know, a sermon length, because there is so much to this conversation. Uh, But I'm really thankful we have this opportunity to kind of talk more about uh, what the names of God mean and uh, how they can apply to our lives, and specifically how they can help us as leaders in our church as we are discipling people or leading connect groups. And so uh, our listeners hopefully have some questions that they're going to email us, and we can talk further about these things uh, at Moberly, uh, extrapoint.moberly.org. Uh, but why don't we just start by talking about the two names uh, that we discussed in last week's message, Paul. Tell us what those were. The two names were first Atikium. Uh, again, I, I'm no Hebrew, so I don't know if I'm saying these names correctly, but in my best attempt, Atikium, which we translate in English, Ancient of Days, Before Time, Beyond Time, Before Days or After Days, uh, but we translate it Ancient of Days. And then the name Yahweh Nisi or Nisi, which is the Lord is my banner. Great. Well, let's talk a little bit about the first one, Ancient of Days. When I was growing up, we would sing this praise song in youth group, the Ancient of Days, and and uh, I never understood why. <laughs> um, of course, when you're growing up, you're not usually reading prophecies That's right. about the end times, you know, uh, at least not that early in your discipleship process. But this name comes from Daniel chapter 7, and it's this vision that Daniel has. We talked about it in the message on Sunday, and if our listeners missed that, they'll want to go back and listen to that podcast with, specifically with the message uh, from you on Sunday. Uh, but tell us a little bit about how you came to learn about what the Ancient of Days meant. 
Yeah, Daniel 7 mentions the Ancient of Days three times, and it's the only place in the Bible where the name, the Ancient of Days, is specifically called out or mentioned. And you're right, it's this vision that, that Daniel has of the end of time, where he sees these four beasts rise up out of the sea, beasts rise up out of the sea, and they just, they're basically symbolic of world powers or, or you know humans who are putting their energy and governments together to, to be powerful in the world. At the end of the day, um, the throne is set up and the Ancient of Days comes and takes his place on the throne because he's going to judge everyone. And I even told the folks over here that they want to see what that kind of looks like. They could go to Matthew 25 where Jesus describes the, the, the judgment of the, the sheep and the goats separating the right. nations, the sheep and the goats. Right. But I also read Revelation from Revelation 20 where it talks about the um, what the great white throne judgment is going to wow. be like. Yes. Because I think... People, you know, and that that's in that sermon we both talked about this. I'm pretty sure, but for Daniel, he was in such a unique place, being in exile. Mm. Think of somebody coming in and just taking you out of your city to a new land where they want to teach you a new language, give you a new name, mm-hmm. totally obliterate your culture and everything you know and you're familiar with your way of life, especially your belief in God, and put and change all that. And so. So Daniel's in this situation where, you know, it'd be very easy for him to doubt and be fearful and all those kind of negative things. But God reveals himself as the Atik Yom, the Ancient of Days, who who has the first word and the last word. That was mm-hmm. a message, part of your message you brought out, which I like that. Um, so that's kind of some ideas about that. Why don't you share a little bit about what you preached on? Yeah, uh, very similar. And uh, uh, definitely the part about... Uh, that God has the first word and the final word on everything. That that's really unique. That Ancient of Days carries with it the connotation not just that God is eternal, but that He's the Judge, that He is the final authority, and uh, it really changes your perspective on who God is. Uh, but one of the things that stood out to me that I didn't get to in the message that might be a, even a, something for us to discuss here is uh, how it came across in Daniel's vision. Now I. I found myself thinking a lot about Bible readers today uh, who a lot of times will focus on the content of the vision uh, more than the giver of the vision, uh, if that makes sense. And so most people reading Daniel 7 would go, I want to know who these world powers are. Exactly. Which is totally the wrong question because (laughs) the whole point is that they will not be powers. That's right. (laughs) Yeah, the, even the description of God, you know, the hair and the robe and the wheels on the throne, all that kind of stuff. I mean, most people read up to Daniel 7 and they stop because they <laughs> yeah. go, I don't understand anything after this. It's so apocalyptic, you know, it's it's uh, symbolic, highly symbolic. But you're right. I find that people get stuck on that stuff instead of the focus of this is the fact that God is over all of that. Yeah, that's right. Beyond all of that, he's beyond of days. One of the things I loved uh, from the message talking about just even the word ancient and how uh, and how the name ancient of days, the two Hebrew words atik and yom, work together is that it doesn't just mean old or artifact. It's not just something God's not something that'll show up in a museum one day. Uh, that he's still active and he's working and he's eternal. And uh, one of the, the, the scriptures in my study that came across was Lamentations 3. And we've talked about this uh, uh, just earlier about how uh, God's mercies are new every morning. And we like to repeat that and we like to sing that in a song or, or things like that. But I wonder how many of us actually stop and realize that God is still creating every day. 
Uh, every morning we wake up and God has created new mercy for us hmm. and uh, that he, he has that specific of a uh, activity and plan for us and, and just focus on even us. Uh, yeah, it certainly builds your faith. It causes you to, to think of his activity, that he's actually active today and will be active even when time stops. <laughs> yeah. For us, it's still about time, but he's beyond time. We brought up the scripture in Isaiah on Sunday, uh, where uh, God says to the prophet of, uh, Isaiah that my will, my will will be done. Correct. I will do it. Uh, I love how clear that is. It's so clear. <laughs> There's no question about that. How? What would you say to someone who uh, comes to you and says, "I really want to know God's will for my life"? <laughs> yeah. Um, usually, people. This is interesting. Usually, what that means is I want to know what job I'm supposed to fulfill or what vocation I'm supposed to fulfill in life. What am I supposed to become? That typically is the context. Now, sometimes it's it's more specific. Are we supposed to move and go here? Am I supposed to take this job over here? Am I supposed to marry this person? Am I go to this college? I mean, there's a lot of different applications of that. But the reality is that God's will more times than not is spelled out in the word related to your character, related to who you are to be, not what you are necessarily supposed to do. And he reveals himself through relationship. And so if you are in, if someone comes and they're not in a, maybe they have a relationship with God because they place their faith in Jesus, but they're not practicing daily, you know, worship, prayer, connectivity to God. They're not actually walking with God every day then it's hard for them to know what his will is. Whereas, and, and that's not to say that if you're walking close to God, he doesn't sometimes use a process of discovering his will to test you and to refine you and to get you to the place where you kind of figure out what you really want. I'll tell a quick story. When I was the youth pastor, for I'd been a youth pastor for 28 years of my life, and I thought I would always do that. I thought I would do that till whenever. <laughs> I really didn't know when it would end or if it would end. I wasn't mm-hmm. sure about any of that. I knew there would come a day when I would probably feel too old and people would think I was too <laughs> old to do it. But I knew friends of mine who had done it till they retired. And yep. So that that's unique. That's not the common thing. And so I never really thought beyond that. And then when I was presented with the opportunity to do something different, uh, I was actually on a sabbatical praying, and I think the first two weeks, we were in Colorado in the mountains, actually. Beautiful, serene, isolated. There was hardly anybody around. It was in October, so it wasn't even ski season. So, man, I would go on these long walks in the mountains, and I just knew that's where God was going to talk to me and speak to me. And, and the, my reason for going on the hikes really was just to be with God. It wasn't so much even to take in the beauty of it, though it was. Well, that's not where he spoke to me. Uh, after that trip, we left and went to New York City and went to Brooklyn Tabernacle with hmm. 4,000, 5,000 people, however many there were in that prayer service that night. That's where he spoke to me. So, yeah. And so oftentimes, you know, we think, well, you know, because I, I, what I was going to say is the first two weeks, I think, where I was in my prayer about God's will was, do I want to do this? Do I want to do this? Yeah. And I thought I was asking God if he wanted me to do it, but I think really looking back on it, what I was saying is, can I do something different? I've only ever done this. Will I be any good at something different? I mean, it's all those personal introspective kind of uh, questions that I, instead of saying God, really focusing and saying, God, what do you want me to do? I think when you get to that place where in your heart you really want to do the will of God, yeah, and you, and I think sometimes you have to, it takes time to get there. When you finally get there, I think then it becomes much clearer what it wow. is he wants you to do. But yeah, and the root of that is 
is this because God's will is really ultimately what's going to last. And that's the idea of Ancient of Days and why I wanted to bring that up because we have different ideas about what we want to do or not do with our lives, and sometimes we have questions about it. But ultimately, God is the one who is above all, before all, after all, and, you know, the final authority. And uh, a similar story in our lives is when God called us to be church planters. And no, we had no idea. In fact, we went to uh, lead worship at a church plant for the opening Easter launch day. And uh, the next week, church planter calls and says, I think you should pray about coming. And I said, no, thanks. <laughs> and uh, uh, and uh, so anyway, Jill and I actually ended up, did, did, we did pray about it. And uh, for several months, we prayed without really getting a clear answer. And one day, we took a whole weekend, and we went to Caddo Lake. And if you're in East Texan, you know, Caddo Lake yep. is so serene. Mm-hmm. And you know, you just know, like, sitting out on the dock in silence or on a canoe floating through this, like, almost eerie silence, you go, that's where God's going to speak. And, uh, and you know, you remember the Old Testament story that God speaks in the wind. You know, the whisper, it's the whisper, right? And so that's yeah. what you're listening for. <laughs> and I remember reading, uh, uh, you know, especially through the Apostle Paul, and I, I would read a part of the passage where he would say, uh, God told me to go, to come to you. And so I came and, and I would go, okay, God wants me to go. And, uh, <laughs> and then uh, I would come to another part and it would say, I wanted to come to you, but the Lord prevented me to go from going. And I would go, oh, maybe God doesn't want us to go. <laughs> and I'm reading these big chunks of scripture, having these swings. Uh, but it was on the way home. Actually, we were pulling into the driveway. We were living on a ranch in Hallsville at the time, somebody else's ranch in a cabin. And we're pulling into the driveway and Jill says, what if it's not about uh, what God wants us to do for him? What if it's more about what God wants to do in us? Mm, and uh, and it was just that, that kind of little mental and heart, like just turn a phrase that helped us remember God is the one who's doing his will in all this. Yeah. And we looked at it and we go, well, that clears everything up because, I mean, we're in this place where... We have great jobs. We didn't have any debt. We didn't have any kids. Uh, you know, and it was the scenario where pretty much anybody in the world would go, oh, that would be great. I'd love to be in that stay scenario. There. Stay Just right stay there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and we looked at it, and when we change our perspective, we go, huh, I wonder if God wants us to do something that would help us learn to trust Him more. Wow. And, uh, and uh, Certainly. <laughs> and he, we Certainly know the answer is does. always yes. yes, and so and so that's why we said yes. I don't to think I've ever heard that story. It was it's just a huge moment in our lives yeah. uh, walking with the Lord, and it's all about changing your idea about God's will. Um, you know, not the theology of God's will necessarily, but just understanding that He's the one who is is sovereign over everything. Uh, and, and ultimately the final authority. And I love how I, uh, he said it through Isaiah, that his will is going to be done. <laughs> yeah, that's so emphatic. I love that. You know, So let me give a little teaser because uh, today is Tuesday, and I've been working on this coming week's message, yeah. and it actually deals with exactly what you're yes, talking right. about with okay. trust. And so it's going to be... It's going to be really practical this coming Lord's Day. So that's a, that what you said is a great example of, though, of... We think of God's, even God's will, we think of real narrow, you know, narrowly, I guess, um, is, you know, why would he want me to do this or <clears throat> do I want to do this? Instead of just trusting him. Just trust he's him. He's God. Yeah. You know, and one of the coolest things about this series is how um, it's all about knowing God in a personal way. 
but not just that we are attempting to know him, but that he wants to know us. That's it to me. And that's what I see as I've read the Old Testament is just, it's not this idea. Of course, it's the gospel too. It's not this idea of men trying to get to God, trying to get to God, trying to know more about God. How can I discover more about God? God is constantly communicating, constantly. Mm -hmm. In the beginning, God spoke. God's constantly communicating. He, he, and he wants us to think of him in these terms. That's what's so beautiful, yeah. too, is he doesn't, he doesn't want to be unknown and undefined. And, and there is mystery to God, and there will be things about him we don't understand till we see him, and maybe not even then. I don't know. But, but he does want to be known. Yeah. And uh, that's powerful to think that as much as I want to know him, way more he wants me to know him. <laughs> I was reminded about Second Peter 1. I had a chance when I was in college ministry back in Waco you know, over a decade ago, had a chance to preach through a summer Bible study for college students and just through about five verses in Second Peter chapter 1, the whole summer there. Uh, and so there's a lot there, but, uh, but verse 3 says, His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness, which is exactly what we're talking about. Then the next clause says, Through the knowledge of Him who called us to His own glory and excellence. And we could stop there and pause and talk all about that. Uh, yeah. that's, God wants uh, us to know Him in a personal way, he, and He already knows us. In, Let in me say one way. thing before, because I know we're going to move on in a second and talk about the next name. But, um, you know, this idea of God being the final judge is so powerful. It's a moment in people's lives. Philippians says that every knee will bow. That God's right. given Him. That's where we get the name of the series. God's given Him a name above every name. Right. Jesus that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And that moment is going to happen in everybody's life. Every human being that we know and love, even people we don't know, every politician, every musician, every movie star, they're all going to have a day in their future where they bow their knee to the Ancient of Days Mm -hmm. as judge. And that's a the Bible says it's a terrifying thing to fall into the hands of the living God, and it will be for people who have to, when the books are open, as Revelation says, and all the deeds that they've done are, are read or presented or just the evidence is there. And so that's why the gospel is so urgent to share with people, because most people are not prepared for that day. Yeah. And just for our listeners and even for our Connect Group leaders, you know, you may not realize there are people sitting in your connect groups that don't know the Lord. You may assume that they do, but share the gospel. Give people multiple opportunities to respond because no one wants anybody to face that day. I mean, that's right. that's going to be an awful day for people who don't know Jesus. So, Yeah, and we'll never wonder about what we should be doing as a church. And one of the things that I felt like God really gave to me for the weekend was uh, that the gospel of Jesus Christ— is the only news, it's the good news, right? The gospel is the only news that will be relevant for all time. And so exactly what you're saying, uh, I agree 100%. To think about that, that at the point of creation, the gospel of Jesus was relevant. Yeah. Even before sin entered the world, God had a plan. And he knew, and, and, and Jesus was with him there. And then yeah. Colossians describes about how all things created, and Hebrews talks about this too, created through him. And uh, so then at the end of time, especially in that one day where you're talking about, it'll become even more relevant to people's lives. But today it's relevant, and, uh, and that's it's yeah. news that we can share with people. So That's good. That was good. I used that too, because the timelessness of the gospel is echoed by the fact that, I mean, reflective of the fact that God is the Ancient of Days. It's awesome. God is so good. Yes, He is. So the other name that we talked about was Yahweh Nisi. Where where does this come from? 
the Lord is my banner. There was the situation with Moses in, in Exodus 17 where um, they came into the desert and there was no water. And anyway, the Lord gave them water from the rock. And then the Amalekites come and attack them. And I think this is Moses' first uh, military exercise to yes. lead. Yeah, that's <laughs> so, right. So he's got a great plan. He's going to go up on the mountain <laughs> yeah. and send Joshua and some strong men into the battle, you know. That's right. But he stands on the hill, and, you know, the story holds his arms up with his staff, and as long as his arms are held up, the Israelites have victory. When he lowers his arm, the Amalekites begin to win. And so they put a rock under him, and Aaron and Hur get on either side of him, hold his arms up. And they win. The Lord wins. And so he says, the Lord is my banner. The Lord is my rallying point. I like Mm. that. Banner is a little bit lost in our culture because we don't use banners. I mean, we do on computer homepages and things like that. But I mean, rallying point, you know, a flag, uh, you know, something like that is a better example, I think, of what that means. You know, something that you see and you go, I know what that stands for, especially this weekend, this past weekend with Memorial Day weekend. So many of us have people who served in the military in our families, and and the idea of the flag for them, not the actual piece of fabric, but what it stands for, yeah, for the freedom, for our country, for our country's values, and certainly that falls under our our sense of allegiance and love for the Lord. But as Americans, we love our country as anybody would who lives in their country if it's a good country, and and so you think about the Olympics, people come in Olympic Stadium and they they march behind their flag, and that flag does several things. It identifies who they are. It unifies them with their other team members. They may not even like somebody on their Olympic team, but they're together in this struggle to win medals for their country in that in that setting or in a war. You may be fighting next to somebody that you don't necessarily get along with that well, but you're unified around the flag that you serve under. And so Jesus is our rallying That's point. That's right. I love that. I shared in my message that over in Longview several years ago, another church in town put these Jesus signs out. They were white and red, and they, at the very bottom it said the church name, but you really couldn't even see that. It was just Jesus. And I I wanted one of those for my yard. I thought people would think I was changing churches, though, but I, <laughs> I thought if if you're about Jesus, I am, I am with you. With I am you. unified with you, yes. and um, I identify with you. And so we take our instruction from the same person, so we have a lot in common. So that's the idea is that Jesus really is our rallying point. It How, is. What kind of things did you draw out about that? Well, I love the image of the flag and that Jesus is our rallying point. And uh, there's so much for us to learn as a church to, re- to remember that we are a part of an eternal and global movement, uh, that God has been doing the work that we're doing way before us, and he will continue it you know, way after us, unless Jesus comes back. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, it, it is. It's all about Jesus. And so we need to realize and recognize uh, that uh, that it, there's really nothing else that matters as much as he matters. Of course, there are things that make us unique. And of course, there are things that, that, uh, that we organize around and strategize. I used to talk with college students that Churches are kind of like ice cream, and uh, I'm sure the analogy breaks down. But uh, but you know, say what's your favorite flavor of ice? Do, do you do you eat ice cream, Paul? Me? Yeah. You have uh, a favorite flavor? I don't eat it very often, but yeah, I like cookies and cream or chocolate chip. Those are my two favorites. Okay, so what about you? If me and you are cookies and cream, because I'm definitely cookies and cream. <laughs> you, okay. Yeah, then we can be part of the same church. <laughs> but if you're gonna go chocolate chip, I'm just gonna go. No, oh, I can't no, really do man. that. Come Sorry. On. But you, you know go what? To the First Baptist chocolate chip. Church. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> but it's still ice cream. 
And yeah, uh, and right. so there may be some preferences. That's interesting in our church. We both like ice cream. Yeah, yeah. But uh, and for those, this is where it breaks down. If you don't like ice cream, <laughs> yeah. sorry, you can't yeah. be a part. <laughs> well, okay, yeah. Uh, no, but uh, it's just that idea that we do rally around Jesus. Uh, Absolutely. But then I use um, in my message as I kind of wrapped up talking about how a practical step people can take uh, is to rally around Jesus by joining a local church. Not that membership in a local church is the highest goal, because Jesus is the highest goal. That's right. But if you take the Exodus 17 analogy of battle and you continue that uh, into our lives today, well, we kind of function like a battalion, and mm-hmm. we have a unique uh, strategy and unique instructions, and uh, we we rally together with that underneath the banner of Jesus to accomplish His purpose, but when the going gets tough or when God calls us to something uh, and we need to, you know, rally the troops. Uh, right. We got to know who's with us. That's right. And so uh, it really does make a practical difference, not only in our lives personally, but for the kingdom of God. I agree. And let's just talk real practically because somebody may be listening to this and they may say, well, I want to become a member, but how do I do that? Mm-hmm. How do I do that at Moberly Baptist Church in Marshall or in Longview? We have, uh, for many years now, probably about eight years, required that people go through a membership course. And sometimes people roll their eyes about that, especially if they come from another Baptist church somewhere because they think, well, I came from a very similar church, you know. But every church is a little bit unique and should be. And so there are things about our church that we want everyone to know. So we talk about our identity, our strengths, and our expectations in that course. And I've never had anybody take the course and say, you know, this was a waste of my time. They almost right. all go, you know, I didn't think I was going to enjoy this, but I learned a lot. This has yeah. been helpful. And the focus really ends by talking about expectation because it is a commitment to the Lord. And you're right. A lot of people think just as attenders that they are kind of committed because they've stopped attending anywhere else and they only attend one church. Right. But attending and committing to membership are two different things. Yep. And so in the days ahead on Marshall campus and on Longview campus, we'll be offering that course again when people are able to come back together. And um, and people can join and complete that process. And I hope maybe through this quarantine, even people have seen the need for that more to go, I need to be all in with mm. the church that God has directed me to and guided me to on either campus. Yep. And and I would say to you, if it's not here, if it's not Marbley, then go find out where that is and do the same thing there. Go find the church God wants you to be a part of and commit to those people and to God through those people as a way of saying, I am unified with this body of believers, and you can count on me, like you said. We are in this together, and we're going to move forward. It'll be, it'll help your faith. It'll help you grow. It will. If you're listening and you think that's your next step at Moberly, right now, and you're sitting at your device, you can navigate on your web browser to moberly.org slash next. That's it. And uh, moberly.org slash next. Click the button and uh, take less than a minute, and you can take your next step with our church. Well, dig into just in our last couple minutes. Um, you know, first let me read a verse just following up on the war thing. And I want you to kind of unpack the, the word Nissi just a little bit more about where it comes from, uh, or, or the, maybe a little bit more about where it shows up more sure. uh, in, the, in the Bible. But uh, if you flip over to the New Testament, 2 Corinthians 10, uh, Paul writes this. He says in verse 3, For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. And you can picture in your mind Moses standing before 
Joshua talking about going and getting the strong men and going to the battle. And then even Aaron and her come with me to the hilltop. You know, what was that conversation like? And uh, I wonder if uh, someone who's a little more boisterous like Aaron, you know, uh, may have said, uh, uh, may have said like, no, we need to go fight. Yeah. Uh, because we're not going to do any good up here. We're not going to do any good up on the hilltop. But uh, but even, you know, centuries later, the Apostle Paul speaks of this truth, spiritual truth. We don't wage war according to the flesh. The weapons of our warfare, in verse 4 he says, are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. And this is what's really cool. Uh, it says in verse 5, we destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God which takes us right back to the original purpose. Yep. It's all about knowing God. That's right. So as we know and get to know Yahweh Nissi, unpack that word a little bit more for us, Paul. Yeah. Nissi comes from, the root word is nasos, which means to be conspicuous as a signal or to raise a beacon. Think of it as a lighthouse almost. There's a verse in Zephaniah that uses this, and it says um, that the Lord, their God, and it's talking about Yahweh, and Elohim together there will save them on that day, excuse me, as the flock of his people. For they're like jewels in his crown, sparkling over his land. And so think of that. A jewel and a crown that he's talking about is conspicuous. You see it. It is obvious. And and so the idea is Jesus is the thing that we rally around. He mm-hmm. becomes the folk. He's the light of the world. He's the city on a mm-hmm. hill that can't be hidden in the New Testament. And so, yes, we hold him up because uh, he brings uh, insight and knowledge to everyone that we, that we share him with. And so I love that verse because it's the idea of God doesn't want us to be hidden. He doesn't want our faith in him to be concealed or private only. You know, mm-hmm. well, this is just between me and God. No, no, no. He wants us to, he wants to take that and display it so that other people are drawn to it because wow. he loves all people. Wow. That's so cool. You and I read a book a couple of years ago, I think now, uh, by Timothy Keller. I think it was just called Preaching. <laughs> yeah. It may, have had a more, it may have had a more intricate name. I don't remember. But uh, he, he's, he says in that book, take whatever text you're preaching and make a beeline for the gospel. Yeah. I don't know if you remember that. Mm-hmm. And I love how you just did that with Zephaniah. Yeah, uh, the, the the crown of the jewel. Jesus is the one, right? He's the one yeah. who stands. He's the light of the crown world. Crown jewel. <laughs> yeah, you see that. Yeah, he is the crown jewel. And you could even do that with Exodus seventeen. Yeah, you know the yeah. Amalekites are the heathens, right? They're the nomad warriors. They're sinful. You know they right. represent sin. The Israelites represent holiness. God's people, His chosen anointed people. Uh, and then, man, think about this. How Moses goes on the hill, the hilltop. On a well, hill. on a hill. That's right. And you think about Jesus, raises who goes up to a hill. <laughs> no. Moses <laughs> raises his arms holding a piece of wood. Jesus raises his arms nailed a to a piece of wood. Of wood. Yeah. yeah. And the gospel is just so timeless. Yeah. And uh, even good. from how this played out in history and uh, the book of Exodus and all the way to the Zephaniah. I mean, gosh, God had a plan and he was playing it out. And it's, it's just not that far of a stretch to see the gospel in all this. Yep. And I yep. love it. It's so fun. It is good stuff. 
Well, Paul, thanks for the conversation again. And I do really hope this is helpful to our leaders, especially, but anyone who is reading the Bible uh, to get more understanding about who God is, because God really does want to know you. If you have any further questions about the content of these podcasts or the messages on Sunday, feel free to email us at extrapoint@moberly.org, and we'd love to respond to those in the podcast. Also, you can find out more information about our church at moberly.org. And we'd love to see you on a Sunday at one of our campuses or for you to plug in online on Facebook or on uh, moberly.org slash online. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time.